Hi everyone, welcome to a Soulful Stone podcast. I'm your host Tasha Sampa and I've got two lovely guests with me. I've got Helen from UK Pop Podcast and I've got Nezzy from Tales from the Plantation Podcast. Guys, say hi. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. Um, So this week we're going to change it up. I think the topic is going to be a little bit more serious. And we're going to be talking about colorism. Colorism in the UK, colorism, how it's affected our lives growing up. And colorism even in the music that we listen to. So for Helen and I, that would be K-pop, but even just through black entertainment colorism has a way of rearing its ugly head Mm -hmm. so we're we're just going to get into that so I actually want to first talk about individually your experiences with colorism because um I'll just explain Nezi and I we're both black I am Zambian and Nezi is can I say exactly what, what island you're from do you mind yeah, 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 go for it. I always don't mind. <laughs> I have no okay, problem. so Nezzy's from Jamaica. Uh, I grew up in Essex and she grew up in London. So I would like to know what your experience with colorism grow- was growing up in London. So I think, um, so just to explain my context as well, like I grew up, so I grew up in South London, but went to school in like primary school, went to school kind of south but like more Beckenham kind of Kent area um and went to like a small private like prep school where I was one of very few black people and then secondary school went again to private school but it was a girls school and it was more ethnically diverse um so my main experiences of I guess intraracial things was um in the context of church so growing up in Growing up in, in in kind of southeast London in in the kind of two thousands, that's probably when I was like a teenager, um, and late nineties. Um, colorism was very was very apparent, especially um, as I came into my teenage years and like we used to, you know the age where you start like liking boys and talking about boys. And I had a friendship circle where I think I was probably the darkest person in my friendship in my friendship group. Um, and it would be very obvious that whenever it came to anything to do with like guys, I was always last pick. I remember actually in, at church they did like a little ranking thing where the guys would rank the girls in terms of looks and personality. And I remember oh, being, no. yeah, That's they used insane. to do like I know. I think I can think back on it. It's like this is really horrible. But I remember being ranked first in personality and like second to last in looks, um, and how Jeez. that made me feel, um. And I think I always just I always just grew up thinking like, okay, I'm not good looking, I'm not pretty, but I'll just have a good I'm smart and I have a good personality, so that's what's gonna carry me through life, kind of thing. Um <laughs> Which is I horrendous think, because you're gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> and I just didn't yeah, I didn't I didn't rate myself and, and it wasn't it wasn't just even it wasn't just girls even. I mean I remember growing up just things like calling someone blick was definitely a thing like I wasn't I guess in the spectrum of being dark I'm you know medium but brown dark skin but I wasn't dark enough to be called like you know to the point where people would tease me about my skin tone but um like I remember people who were darker than me being called blick 
and like jokes being made about you know like if the light goes off like goes off you can't find so and so in the dark you can just see their teeth and blah 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 and um there was just a lot of and, and guys blatantly saying things like oh mixed race women are more attractive I remember actually one time we came home my brother my brother came home from school when he was about 13 and just said to me and my mom oh mixed race girls are prettier than black girls oh. um Oh my god. And we were just like I can't oh imagine your brother saying that. Right. And now he's so different, which just shows you which just teaches you that colorism is or we were, we were talking about it actually yesterday, like that colorism is taught, like it's definitely something that's taught. Um mm-hmm. and something that can be unlearned. Like it's not something that you have to stick with your whole life. Like if you'd asked him that same question four years later when he was seventeen, he'd been like, Absolutely not. But age thirteen. He even said he was like, I don't even think I really believed it. I was just like parroting and echoing the stuff I've heard from other black men around me. Um, okay. Mm. From what I'd seen on TV and how they, you know. So um that was Oh, you're, you're back. back, you're back, you're back. Okay, I'm sorry. I think my I don't know what happened. Where did you where did I get I was rambling anyway, but <laughs> I don't no, know. Where no, we'll just, I will edit out the dead air, but you were saying that colorism can be learnt. Mm. You were oh, yeah, saying really... about how you watch it on, uh, like, learning things from what you see on TV. Yeah, just saying that my brother said that he didn't even really believe that, did you get, did I get to that, did you hear that bit about me talking yeah, about Yeah, we did. So, saying that he doesn't even think that he really believed it, but so much like he was parroting what he had heard other black men say. And, like, just seeing around me, so I, I remember growing up and, like, it's really funny. When I was growing up, I didn't understand why um, so many of the black women that I saw on TV, like their hair was so different to mine. Like I was just like, why? I was genuinely confused. Like, why is my hair not look like that? Like, why can't I get my hair to look like that? Mm. Um, and some of them weren't even like mixed or like biracial women, but it was just like things like weaves and it all comes into the whole same thing about texture and colorism and features but like I didn't understand like 11 year old me didn't actually understand weaves. my mom never wore weaves so I didn't understand that this wasn't their real hair I just remember feeling so crap about myself because my hair did not look like Beyonce's and I was just like how does Beyonce get her hair like this and how does it grow so long and how comes I cannot get my hair like Oh. oh my god! The way I, the way I used to be envious of the dark and lovely box. Yeah, oh the dark god. and lovely box. Oh my and goodness! I, I remember getting my first relaxer. Well, it technically actually wasn't my first relaxer. I thought my first relaxer was when I was about 11, 12. It turns out I was two, but that's another story. Oh my god! god. No way! Yeah. No, oh, and I was in my twenties when my mum told me that she had actually relaxed my hair when I was two because <gasps> people around her had told like my hair was apparently very difficult and very unmanageable. And you know, our community, it we don't we don't learn how to take care of our natural hair. So I guess my mum didn't know better. So she relaxed my hair when I was two. And yeah, I ended up getting like hair loss and boils on my head. Jeez. Oh my. And like, that, do you know what that makes me so angry? Not at your mum, because I don't, I feel like, I feel like your mum is, you know, like probably doing what was like quite common in maybe your particular community at the time. But I think mm. it, it makes me so angry that it was legal to sell relaxer to like kids. Children. Of, like, 50. I, I think it's, if this was white kids, there is no way a chemical that strong would be marketed to children and you'd be allowed to put it on their head because it's insane. Like no, it's there's a dark and lovely box for kids in Noah's like world. What? It's insane. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. sodium hydroxide, the same thing that in like in a chemistry lab that you have to literally have 
goggles and, and gla- oh gloves. my god it's insane no it's it's madness um but i thank you so much for sharing that um helen I want to ask you about your experience because (laughs) you're half white, half Indian. Uh And I did not know until you mentioned it in the group chat. I know. And most people don't. That that's what's so interesting. Like I, okay. As as mad as it sounds, it's going to sound so, so weird. Like I've, I'm so aware that it's not on the same level. Like I don't experience any kind of, um, prejudice because like you said you couldn't tell when you met me because I and I hate this phrase but I also think it's a really relevant phrase is I pass for white do you know what I mean like you would never in a million years look at me and be like she's mixed race you'd never look at me and so when I I do remember when I was at school there was one like um, most of my friends uh, when I was at school were black girls most of my friends at school um, and I think it's probably because of where I where I've grown up in South London it's just a matter of demographics like I don't think it's necessarily a, it wasn't necessarily like a choicing it's just a demographic thing but um I do I do remember in high school when one of my friends told another girl she was like no did you not know Helen's mixed race she was like oh I see you in a totally different light now and I was like I don't think you should because I don't experience what you've experienced just because I'm mixed race is not the same as mixed race that that as you understand it I don't think because you can't look at me and see do you know what I mean does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's like so I I, like it's it's kind of hard to explain but the more experience that I've had of seeing colorism is from from the uh, Asian perspective because it's it's definitely prevalent there I remember when my cousin so my my mum is Anglo-Indian um, which means like mm-hmm. way, so like way up in her in her family tree um, on one side it was a German and an Indian couple and then on the other side um, lots of, in lots in South Asia there's a lot of Portuguese settlers so on my grandpa's side mm-hmm. it was um, Portuguese and Indian so um, most of my cousins if not all of them uh their whole like their parents are both anglo-indian or like one goan and one anglo-indian so they all look asian um whereas my brother and i don't and i remember when i was a kid um and my one of my cousins was i think she was like seven or eight i remember us being in my nan's house and she had the talcum powder she got this like talcum powder puff thing and she like she was like putting on her face and she was like i want my i want my skin light like helen's and I looked at her older sister and I was horrified. I was like, where, where has this come from? Where has this come from? And she was like, no, you don't like you, like your skin's beautiful. What are you talking about? Like, and she's, I I don't think she remembers doing it because she was only little, but I know from stories that I've heard from my mom and like that Anglo Indians are aside from the caste system. So they're not really involved in that aspect of Indian life, but the attitude is still there. Like the darker your skin that you're born uh, that you're born with in India is a reflection on where you fall in the caste system. It's uh, it's lighter skin is more favorably looked on, and like cosmetics, the cosmetics out there, a lot of it is uh, has um, skin lightening um, qualities. You can very easily get whitening cream out there, <laughs> which is, yeah, yeah. So you can get like you can definitely find that stuff quite easily. You can find it in Indian it's shops everywhere. too. 
yeah it's insane yeah. and it was I it blew my mind when I saw that I was like what you actually what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean you've like something you're putting on something onto your skin to lighten it I don't I don't understand that and it's once you see that stuff I don't I truly don't think that white people and I say that you know what I mean <laughs> so I don't think white people are privy to that I don't think they understand how prevalent that is outside of like their little bubble because for them mm -hmm. they're like if I put like they're interested in tanning so to them it doesn't mm. it, it doesn't occur to them that colorism for one exists or that um that there are active things that people do to kind of manifest this you know this sort of um putting whiteness on a pedestal so to speak so yeah I think it's and if you if you don't open your sort of like open up yourself to, to hearing those conversations and you just you're never going to know and you'll be that sort of person who throws out stupid phrases like I don't see color good for you the rest of the world does <laughs> like I, I actually hate that phrase so much <laughs> like and I think the best response is like the one that I think well, Trevor Noah gave to Tommy Loren when she came on The Daily Show and she was like, I don't see colour. And he was like, so what do you do at a traffic light? <laughs> <laughs> That's I, just, I, I feel like the phrase is so redundant because when you say that you don't see colour, it's like, like you said, kudos for you, but the rest of the world does. And mm. so much of my life experience is affected oh, by yes. the colour of my skin. Uh -huh. So there's that. So this leads me into our next topic, which is this whole Nella Rose. And it, <sighs> I am not someone who follows YouTubers or anyone else, but I, even I, my sisters have made me very aware of Nella Rose. Now, what happened with her is like her and a bunch of other British black entertainers. So I think it was Ivor, like, what was it? Nella Rose, NGS, Aloni. And that, I was like, no, not Aloni. Um, was it Maria <laughs> B? Um, what was it? Tion Wayne. There's a whole bunch of people's tweets got unearthed. And the common denominator amongst most of these people was the fact that at some point in their Twitter history, they had made fun of Somali people and black women, particularly dark skinned women. And you guys grew up in South London. So I need you to tell me what the hell was that about? And why does this seem to be a London thing? And I will say a London thing because with my experience growing up, so I grew up in Essex. I lived in Chelmsford, Essex. I don't live there anymore. But Chelmsford in the 90s is not the Chelmsford you will see now. Chelmsford is completely as diverse as you can expect Essex to get. There's loads of loads of black people, loads of in like no, you know, wrong for it. Loads of Asian people, particularly Southeast Asian, to the point where if you go to the if you walk past the grammar schools, because there's at least two or three mm. in Chelmsford alone, if you see the kids walking past, 50% of them will be ethnic minorities. But it didn't look like that in the 90s. In the 90s, you could 
name every black family in Chelmsford. Wow. And we would acknowledge each other. We would say hi. If one family was particularly going to London that week, we'll be like, could you get us um, expressions? Could you get us, <laughs> can you get us some maize meal? Maize meal is what we make um, shimmer, what like Nigerians call fufu. Okay. okay. And so we would ask, like, if someone was going to London, you could actually ask them, like, I will give you the money. Could you get this? Because you could not get it in Chumpsford. It was impossible. So I would say the notion of colorism or even looking at someone saying, oh, well, you know, I'm from Zambia and you're from Jamaica, so we don't have any unity or you're Somali and I'm just grew up in England my whole life. It, it just didn't exist because we literally had the mentality of we are the only ones here. We are all in this together. Okay. So even when I hear... Um, Africans say that in the 90s or early 2000s I couldn't even tell anyone I was African I would try and say I was Jamaican because I thought it was cooler as me from Essex I'm like I don't understand that <laughs> like so we, we, all, we aren't just all black okay so going back to this particular issue of black people particularly making fun of the Somali community and darker skinned I mean once we got to secondary school I think people had their light jokes but again it was very much like there was too few of us to even really dig at each other on our blackness <laughs> okay mm. so what the hell is that about Ooh, that's um, a good question. I think so I think definitely so one of the things about Southeast London as well, well, I can talk about Southeast, but one of the things about London in general is, um, so definitely, obviously, I think every single, every single non-white culture has its issues with colorism. Mm -hmm. So obviously I can speak about, you know, from a Caribbean perspective specifically. Um, and actually it's funny because I, I went and stayed in Nepal for two months and I think some of the most overt, uh, prejudice I've ever experienced has been in Nepal. Right. Um, in terms <laughs> of Asians, people being, man, like in terms of people being like aggressively, aggressively prejudiced to me on the street. Um, wow. And like, as wow. Shouting, oh, oh my gosh. gosh, it was Nepal. We're shouting um, at you. Yeah, like shout racial slurs on the street. Yeah, it's definitely <gasps> Nepal. Um, and yeah, they're, oh gosh. They're, they're, and even going through the airport in India. So like, India is a country that I've always said like. I will never, I will never go on holiday to India because I will just like even the even the experience of going through the airport and probably feeling how people reacted to me was just like this is a country that is never gonna get my money in any oh, way. Shape fact or that form. you said palpably because as well. Oh, it's like just can... so they're so deeply prejudiced there against black people and against like specifically darker skinned people, and mm. it's just so obvious everywhere you go, like. In Nepal, you'd look at the billboards and you could see that everybody who has been advertising things that's so completely different to the actual Nepali people who are actually like there. There'll be people in Nepal who are darker than me, but you would never see them in any like positions of power. Yeah. Um mm. anyway. So to go back to the what like why it was like that in the South, I think it's a combination of things. I definitely think so the more black people there are in a space, 
then when you start you stop having to like the the nest the necessity for unity is kind of like less because there's more of you so then you can start stratifying based on whatever parameters you decide so it's just like if there's five black people there is no point separating yourself on based on skin tone because it's like you are you guys are all going to band together for the sake of survival because mm-hmm. you're like such a, you're such a minority but in london we were not so much of a minority that we need to do that. There's black people everywhere. There's no need for you to have that sense. The, the, the need for unity isn't as much. So therefore you can start to stratify yourselves based on like skin color or country or whatever. Um, and definitely like specifically for the Caribbean community, there's such a high proportion of Caribbean men who marry and date outside their race that the, the Caribbean population, like I think they said in about 10 years, like, you're you're still you're now currently more likely as a Caribbean child to be born to a white mother than you are to a black mother. Wow. So, so Caribbean children like nowadays like more of them are biracial than they are actually having from two black parents. So because there's such a significant mixed race population, like that only makes colorism. Um, I think that makes colorism uh, more accessible to to us. Do you know what I mean? Because there are so many. There's such a there's such a number of people who have that aesthetic that we kind of decide is beautiful. But it allows black mm. boys or whatever or girls or whoever to be like, I choose this over this. Do you know what I mean? And mm. also because I think the mindset that encourages so many Caribbean men to date outside their race um, and to marry outside their race is actually they then continue they pass that mindset on. Um, that that the same mindset that. Um, is the reason why we have such high numbers is the same mindset that con- that contributes to colorism. So the same mindset that elevates a white aesthetic and, and white and whiteness over blackness is the same mindset that leads us to have such prevalent colorism in our community. Mm-hmm. So it's only natural that's going to come out in the kids that they raise. Mm, you make an excellent point. You <laughs> really did. And, no, and I was just thinking to myself, and I'm pretty sure of just to jump over to the pond, that's how we have men like Kenya Barris, who make blackish and grownish and mixedish and now black AF on Netflix. And then you look for a single dark skinned woman, not even just dark skinned woman, you just look for a woman that is not mixed race or are racially ambiguous and you're like where are they and the fact that he refuses to cast them I guess mm-hmm. perpetuates that. And, I, and I also think the history of black people as a race um and I think maybe Helen can speak to that as coming coming from like a half Asian half white background mm. I don't know if the Asian community um has the one drop rule in the same way that black people appear to have so you know like in the black community if you are half black like you're black that's more of an American thing but even in the Caribbean like because of and I think less so and I think that's the difference as well between Caribbean and Africans I think more so because of slavery in the Caribbean we have um I think more people who are technically mixed race who we consider black because there is like a more of a history of racial mixing and there's like most Caribbeans, if you do a DNA test, like if you do my DNA test, they're like two percent white or something. You know what I mean? Like okay, like, yeah. So yeah. then, so then that, that it it then becomes harder to be like. Um, so then there's just more. There's just a that's the spectrum. There's a massive, massive spectrum of color even in Africa, but I think in in the Caribbean in particular, there's like 
definitely um like larger groups of people that are significantly mixed or in the in South America and like those people are then categorized with the black community which then means that you have communities within communities whereas I feel like from what I understand of like the Asian population I don't know if people who are half white and half Asian are considered Asian by Asian people that's really interesting I don't know no no but it's a really good point because I think it's oh it's it's really hard to (laughs) Tasha I remember when I was messaging you I was like I don't know if I can say this or I don't know how like to say this but not just in kind of uh, like Indian Asian but I think um there's a sense of a mix of Asian and Caucasian that's exotic that's like to to, like to white people that's like oh you that's a bit different so someone like Alexa Chung for example like she's she's mixed she's Asian and white and the result of that mix is that she's got quite distinctive features but it's not so much with with Indians I don't think and I know from things that my mum has told me and things that still go on now um I know I don't know if it's like the current prime minister of India has kind of made it quite clear that there's that Anglo-Indians as a community they're not really super welcome in India um because they're just this president of India is awful yeah awful yeah he's the worst right so so he's made it clear that there's no there's there's really no place for them and um and and so there is there is segregation within India between them and it's quite it's quite clear like I think my mum my mum has said because the thing is people when if you look at my mum she's quite fair-skinned because of her parents parents heritage right but you Mm -hmm. can be you can be Anglo-Indian and quite dark depending on how your parents were it's it's, you know it's just genetics um but she said you know you can tell even just from looking at someone whether they're Indian or or Anglo-Indian and and again maybe not as 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 actually I think quite overtly it is a sort of a shunned society over there but when over here I don't I don't really know I think because I again because to look at me you don't think uh, you wouldn't know I'm mixed race and I don't honestly know anyone in my personal life apart from one girl I went to high school with um again she was somebody who her like almost the exact same thing except her dad was Anglo-Indian um mm-hmm. and you couldn't tell so I was surprised when I found out I was like oh hey we're sort of the same <laughs> and it just didn't it, it's just really not a thing because in terms of features unless your unless your Asian parent has very strong um kind of ethnically Asian features yeah doesn't you don't you know most I know that generally like my brother and I both maybe not like super fair skinned but to look at us you just think that we're white or European really and so yeah but I think that's what I'm kind of asking like would but would would the would you for example if you went on tv mm. would you speak would you and you spoke on behalf of the Asian community and said as an Asian person I blah 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 do you feel like the Asian community would be like yes and accept you as Asian or be like hold on you're not Asian because so I think in well, the that community like that's that's the thing like a lot of our are mixed race and they can go on TV and be like as a black person blah 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 and we don't really like there's still conversations about that but there's still a general acceptance that mixed race people who are half black and half white can call themselves black 
Whereas I think in the Asian community, someone who's half Asian and half white wouldn't speak on necessarily vocally speak on behalf of Asian people unless they look very phenotypically Asian and you couldn't yeah. tell that they were white. I actually, I totally agree. I think that it would be very difficult for, like, if I was, to, like you said, if I was to go on TV and go, you know, as an Asian woman, I would, on the one hand, I, I do think I would get the weight hold on what you're talking about. But if I can be frank, um, I think definitely my experience growing up there and, and just not just my family, but like the community that I've seen, there is an element of a, a kind of, how can I explain it? Like the, the English way of life, so to speak, the aspirate, aspirational, um, like aspiring to that being very English. Does that okay, make sense? Okay. Like, did you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So like to have yeah, yeah. that kind of acceptance, so to speak, of white, uh, of, of like a white person or to have that, I, I do think that it would be different because I, I feel like maybe maybe just from what I see say on like Twitter and things like that, that, um, yeah, there's, there's more of a desire and kind of a, um, acceptance that actually if, if we're going to talk about, um, sort of the black community or uh, like, we don't, we don't want just some like mixed race, like passing for white girl talking about it. We want, we want, to hear from like a more diverse group so to speak does that make sense like I feel like I'm not making sense but but I I get where you're coming from do you know what I mean and I but so I think it's really it's quite hard for me to to sort of say that on like behalf of Asian people but I do know that like (laughs) have you ever seen goodness gracious me have you ever watched that sitcom uh not sitcom the sketch show like yeah, no. like once like or twice, but not like. Who's in it? So, so goodness gracious me, was this sketch show in the in the like nineties? It was all uh, an, uh, an all Indian cast. So Sanjeev Bhaskar was in it, and Mira Sayal. Yeah, Mira Sayal. Wait, mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Sayal, Sorry, right. let me go Google. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like it's quite hilarious to like. I mean, I think it's funny just to watch whether you kind of have Indian Wait, friends no, I do know this. You I, no, I do know this. <laughs> yeah. I think so there's so many, episode. So there's so many things in that that I kind of recognise, even though, you know, my home unit family life is not um, fully Indian, but, like, being around, you know, with my cousins and my grandparents and stuff like that, um, there's a real pride of of, like, Indian heritage, but at the same time, there's that aspiration to be accepted by the white community and it's they Mm -hmm. they they do it so beautifully they have one sketch where there's a guy who will tell you everything originated in India everything everything has its origins in India and then there are other sketches where they are so desperate to shed every trace of um, their Indian heritage and any yeah. trace that like there's it's there, there's a separate sketch in it and it's to me it's a perfect example of what what that's like to sort to, to sort of have that Indian community in in the UK it's like wanting to be accepted by a white audience which is why if it was to come to it and I was to say oh no actually you know I'm mixed race if I was to be more open about that and um, if I was to say like you said go on television or something then I don't think it would be a necess- necessarily 
negatively received but I, but that's not to speak on everyone I do think now things like Twitter things like Facebook give people a chance to actually see other people's experiences and be like oh actually no we we like we should be more kind of openly proud of who we are and and that so I think it's less obvious with Indian people though do you know what I mean it's not yeah. Because I don't think they're I, truly. I don't think black. Um, I don't think Indian people or Asian people are as openly criticised for being proud um, of their ethnicity and their heritage as black people are. To be honest, Ooh, with you. Ain't that a word? <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. But circling back to Twitter and this whole. Um, at one point in our Twitter history, everyone just seemed to love taking shots at black women. Mm. Looking at what happened to Nella Rose, and I don't know if you guys saw her apology video, yeah, or just even the the fact that she was a trending topic what two days ago. I mm-hmm. want to know because, I, like you mentioned with your brother Nezi, and even myself, because there was a period I think it was in two thousand and four five where I just thought that mixed race guys was it. <laughs> yeah, like, you I couldn't tell nothing about Michael Ely. Yeah. yeah. And when I was like 9, 10, 11, 12, I went through like, I definitely had like a very light skinned guy, curly hair phase. Oh, yeah, definitely. That that was me in 2005. Mariah Carey, when she put Michael Ely in the Say Something video, oh, that was it. That was it for me. <laughs> so, we all had to do some unlearning. So, do you think? that this girl should be slandered for tweets essentially made when she was 14, 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Because this, the thing is, though, I'll give you my opinion. When I saw the list of people that whose tweets have been unearthed and then I saw Nella Rose, I basically said, you know what? The black women are going to bear the brunt of this. Yep. <laughs> I said that immediately. I was like, you know what? Everyone is going to bypass these men who were older than these girls and they're going to go straight for the black women. Yeah, 100%. So predictable. So predictable. Because I I just think unearthing people's old tweets is corny. Do I think that you should delete them? Yeah. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, should she lose out on sponsorships and whatever? Nope. She didn't get the sponsorships when she made those tweets, did she? Uh, uh, sorry, this is my opinion. She, please, I've asked you on here to give it because, because I, I, you know, I watched. I'll be honest with you. I, you told me um, about it, and I had to look it up because I wasn't aware of any of it. So I, the first thing that I sort of encountered with it was I watched her apology video, and what amazed me was. I had so many feelings throughout it. I was like, oh, do I really want to read these? Do I really want to read these tweets? Right. Like, and and so I was kind of more concentrating on her and what she was saying and how she was talking. And it struck me um, quite a few things. So she didn't, for one thing, as a YouTuber, I'm getting, is she a YouTuber or is she like more Instagram? Yeah, she's a YouTuber. Or, the YouTuber. YouTuber. Right? So, for one thing, she didn't edit that video into like, you know so I can't do this over um just a voice recording but you know how like when a YouTuber messes up big time and they do something it doesn't matter how awful the thing is that they do when they do their Logan Paul video, 
yeah like or, or like um you know they get into an argument or they or their own racist tweets get dug up um they their apology video is actually a big poor me poor me and it starts off with like like a minute of them editing clips together of them breaking down in tears trying to record the video so you feel sorry for them like look at what a hard time they're having this girl sat there and was like do you know what I was a different person that that eight years ago whatever if if you're gonna hate me hate me just don't the, the tweets about her mum oh uh, gosh like and, and that's what I don't that's what I don't understand I can't I can't I can't see that happening to someone else I can't see that happening. If you get some, you know, Instagram lifestyle blogger, whatever, um, and like, what was it? What's that girl's name? That singer? Is it Camilla something? Oh, Camilla. 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 The one from who? The one from Fifth Harmony. Yes. Yeah. Her. 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 Um, Oh my gosh! I can't stand her. Because she had a similar thing though, didn't she? She had tweets where she had posted some racist stuff. What's the fallout? She actually said the N word. Right? She said, she, Did had she? Said, she, had, she had said the n word on several uh, occasions. It's and but but to what like what happened? What was the fallout? She still there was no still, fallout. When I tell good, you right? that her, no, she's good. When I tell you her <laughs> fans fell over themselves mm-hmm. to defend her, and the funny thing is, like there was a black girl in her group. There was no. I don't. I personally don't feel like Cam- Camilla. Cabe- what is her name? <laughs> Camilla something. Camilla. I don't feel like her. She didn't give a genuine apology. I feel like it was more excuses. Again, her fans fell over themselves to defend it. And I find it so ironic that, was it two months ago, Normani finally spoke out about the experience that she had had with Camilla Mm -hmm. and said, you know, finding out those things made her uncomfortable. And, you know, she was hurt. Not to mention that, you know, Fifth Harmony fans had had basically put her picture on, like, copied and pasted her face on pictures of slaves being lynched. Jesus Christ. And no one in the group spoke up for her. And this is when Camilla was still in the group. And wow. now Normani's speaking about, you know, things made her uncomfortable. And people were all over Twitter, even on my timeline, talking about why did she bring in these up, like... <laughs> I don't know how many years later. I'm like, I don't know, maybe because it's racist and it hurt. Do you get me? Oh my God. Uh, it's just, it's insane to me. And I I, I know watching, as it got through her video, I, I, re- I realised at the end of it, uh, as it was getting towards the end, I was like, oh, we haven't had her kind of talking about how difficult it's been for her. She hasn't been talking about how, oh, this has affected my life, this. She openly accepted everything that had been she'd been accused of because there was the evidence there in the tweets that she'd made and she said you know growing up this is why I said it because this is how I felt and like I personally watching it I was like wow you're that's really honest it's not like you know what I'm I'm gonna seek help for my opinions because I was chatting shit and I was racist and I made these tweets two years ago this was a long time ago and she explained the situation. And I feel like there's a, for me, there was a sense of um, the expectation of her was, uh, was higher because she's black, that she shouldn't have, that she shouldn't have done that. It's, but, but then it's like, you open your eyes. That, that kind of reaction to it is when people don't understand that stuff like colorism exists. And it's this internalized 
um, sense of being less than because you're darker that's that that's come from the outside and you would project that onto other people to survive to make yourself feel better exactly exactly Mm. I I think it's so disgusting that that she has been like one of the main targets of it because she Mm. in my eyes she's a victim like people might I don't know what people think about but I personally feel like she's a victim like I know when I was growing up like the amount of vitriol young black like I'm the only people who have actually like to my face probably called me ugly like comment to my face and be like you are ugly have been black men like that's the honest truth um and that's not to say that, that white people are less racist or Obviously, I don't think black people can be racist, can be prejudiced, but not to say that black that white people have been less harmful to me because they haven't. Like my childhood formative experiences and being bullied, that was all like little white kids. So just, let's just get that out of the way. But in terms of like very specifically about my black, my black features, I guess in terms of my skin color or whatever, I always felt that it were it was black. It was it was literally black men who came who made me feel that my that my skin tone was in comparison to light-skinned women was so much more less desirable I already knew as a black girl growing up from like white media that obviously my skin tone wasn't like I guess valued by white people like I can see from the L'Oreal adverts or whatever that I'm not the person represented but it's kind of like a feeling when you're younger that you think okay even if they don't accept me my community will accept me like I already understand that the white media or the white community doesn't accept me as beautiful but you accept expect your own people to to accept you and to like Mm. value your your beauty so when you come into your own community and you realize there's a hierarchy in your community and that you're at the bottom Mm. of the hierarchy like that is so traumatizing Mm. especially because Mm. we live in a patriarchal society that puts so much value like on women's appearances and as a woman your currency like your social currency is your appearance Mm-hmm. your value your social value is your appearance unfortunately so it's just like Fenella Rose she's not so much somebody who is trying it was attacking black women out of as somebody who was outside of that she herself was almost attacking herself yeah um and that's a reflection of almost wanting to separate herself from the woman that she sees being abused so if you see like all these women who look like you've been abused like it's almost natural to almost want to separate yourself from them to take yourself out of that so you don't put yourself in the same place of victimization as they as they have yes so I just think it's disgusting that like they're making her like the kind of scapegoat for like you know to to kind of like put all this blame and like she's having to do and I'm just like it's ridiculous the people to Mm -hmm. blame so first of all, we know white supremacy is to blame. And second of all, a lot of this was perpetuated by the black guys who were on Twitter at the time and who were saying like awful things about black women. Like there are black men who would literally find a random black woman's picture and then get all their boys to come in and just tweet horrible things about her face. That is the context that we're talking about. No, it's true. And I, I've said this and I know it upsets people when I say it. And I say, listen... When it comes to colorism, white people may have laid the foundation, but black men have upheld the walls. Wow. Yeah. Because, and I was, who was, I was saying this in a Zoom, in a Zoom chat with a whole bunch of people who are over the age of 25. And <sighs> I'm, I'm heated just thinking about it. 
when you look back on the shows that we grew up on, and let's even take white people out of the picture. Let's just take the shows that we grew up on, the, the black shows. You had The Cosby Show, My Wife and Kids, Martin. Um, I'm trying to think of something else. That's So Raven. Um, even the cartoon form, The Proud Family. And guess what? Uh, the love interest, the wife, was always a light-skinned woman married to a dark-skinned mm. or medium brown man. Even when you look at the transition on The Fresh Prince oh. between dark-skinned and Viv and light-skinned and Viv. But you know what? As well with that, that I was ju- I was literally thinking about this the other day. Dark-skinned Aunt Viv was um, she was like a professor, right? She was she taught Black history. She was like. She- Openly, an kind of an activist, yeah. And then when they changed her to the light-skinned um, Aunt Viv, she was more or less kind of this a, model wife. She was at home a, stay a lot at more. Home mother. Yes, they gave her another child. It's like they the, completely yeah. changed her. No, no, no. dark-skinned Aunt Viv gave birth to Nikki. Oh, did she? Have, never, yeah. No, she gave birth to Nikki, and then we never saw her again. But they oh. completely changed up Aunt Viv's personality. Even yes. when you look at my wife and kids, when you look at the transition, if season one, dark-skinned Claire to <gasps> yeah. Jennifer Freeman. Oh my who, god, I forgot all Claire about now. that who is the Claire that we all remember. You look yeah. at all these shows that we grew up on in like the 90s and the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. All the wives were, I'm not saying, because I know that if you go to especially American TV, the ones that were maybe not as common to us in the UK, like maybe Family Matters, of course there was a dark-skinned mom. I'm not, I'm not saying that there was never there. But when you look at the majority of the ones that were produced who the casting was black men, where the showrunners were black men. Mm. We see that the light, that the protect, the, not the the love interest, the wife, that the woman that has a man, is a light skinned black woman, mm. and normally, uh, the darker skinned girl is a sassy friend. And you also know that they struggle when it comes to boys, especially if it's a teenage show. When I think about the shows in the last maybe five to ten years where we have seen darker skinned black women play a love interest or be the lead in the show and just be normal, like scandal, how to get away with murder, be Mary Jane, insecure, where you see a range of darker skinned black women, the showrunners and the directors are black women. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I was thinking about um, the whole thing about Bitchum as well. And I also think that I have to acknowledge that one, some black men have definitely been victims of colorism, but colorism is gendered. So it affects dark skinned women more in the sense that because lightness is associated with femininity and darkness is associated with masculinity, dark skinned black men get to be hyper masculine. And that kind of works in their favor in the sense that, you know, you're you're more manly if you're darker so it's not as much of a problem but um definitely I think like the whole black community in a way are victims of um and not just black communities but like Asian communities everybody is kind of like a victim of colorism in the sense that we've all been kind of indoctrinated with this with this mindset um mm. and I, I feel I feel like 
there's such a responsibility when it comes to people like Kenya Barris and like older black men who are content creators. Spike Lee. For, yeah, Spike Lee, all of those guys for what they put out into the um into the kind of the atmosphere and what kind of content they produce because that is really what influences the minds of of young black people and young Asian people. If you look at Bollywood, for example, like there's so much of a responsibility on the people who create to push certain image to push certain images because part mm. of the reason why colorism continues it's because we live in such a media-driven society and everything is about aspirations. Yeah. So I was I made an Instagram story like the other day and I was saying that part of the reason why I feel like black men don't um see colorism as 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 significant as they see racism and other communities don't as well is because we think of colorism as just being about like, you know, um who gets to have the movie part or who gets to be the Instagram models who everybody likes or who gets to be in the video. And it's so much deeper than that. It's so much, you know, it's to do with economics. Mm. It's to do with who has access to wealth. In countries like India, it's to do with like who can get married. Like people uh-huh. literally like and I'm sure Helen can speak more to this, people like literally can't get married. Yeah. To certain people because they're too dark. People, you know, when they do like advertisements for like, oh, you know, arrange like I've like arranged marriages. I've literally seen like where it's been like, oh, she has weak colored skin. Like it's like a requirement for you mm-hmm. to be able to get married. And then even in countries like I can speak for like Jamaica and Trinidad and like really places in the Caribbean. If you look at who has access, historically had access to education and access to wealth, they were all the kind of descendants of. The former slave masters and the slaves, so like the lighter skinned mixed race, were allowed access to um to, to better schools, which means that then genera- generationally the wealth is passed down to lighter skinned people. Like so in America, the 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 elite, the black elite at the, you know, in the kind of early 1900s, 1800s, they were m- mostly light skinned because they were the ones who were allowed to read more than the dark skinned slaves are allowed to have. Um, maybe got their freedom quicker than you know or freedom papers things like that so it's not just about marriage it's to do with with power and access to things like government um it's it's to do with the criminal justice system there's research that shows that people who are lighter skin get shorter sentences I was just about to mention that even amongst you know black people they get shorter sentences so it's just like it's so much deeper than just than just you know kind of like oh media and 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 you know shows like blackish or it's just it goes so deep and that's why it's so sad it is true I remember um watching a clip of Mary Mary's show where I think it's Tina is talking to her her daughter Uh, Helen I don't I don't know if you remember the song um you know the shackles off my feet so yeah 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 Mary Mary um so yeah, one of them was talking to their daughter who is dark skinned. She has the shade of her father. And she was very upset about the fact that she was dark skinned. And her mum was trying to tell her, you know, your skin is beautiful. And, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, boys won't like you, whatever. And her daughter said to her, but mum, look at even my aunties. All the dark skinned men are married to women who look like you, who are light. 
it. Yeah. And she was a child and she picked that up and that made me so sad. And I know that people say that, you know, it's just the media. But the thing is, though, I am the biggest advocate of the fact that media representation is so important. And I know if you guys have seen the video, it's circulated for about two years now of some guy asking what I would assume would be teenagers in London about, you know, do they want a lighty or do they want like a dark skinned girl? And all the guys were like, yeah, 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 yeah. And even the girls as well, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to lie to you. I want to lie to you. I hate that term. But I remember one boy even saying, yeah, I want to lie to you who looks like Puerto Rican. I was thinking, this is a result of MTV base. You talking about you want a Puerto Rican girl. Where have you seen Puerto Rican girls in any part of England? <laughs> Why are you talking about exactly? Um, I, feel, I feel like you grew up watching i don't know 50 cent videos or whatever rapper little wayne whatever you and i know that that's a whole thing in the u.s but this is a result of you consuming media to the point that you specify you want a puerto rican girl which if you're planning to stay in this england you will not find <laughs> that is so funny but so i <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 going, going back to our original point I don't think that Nella Rose should be nailed to the cross mm. for these old tweets I and I don't think it's fair that she has been made uh, the face of this attack because like I mentioned in the beginning so many people's tweets were unearthed none of the men I've even seen being taken to task but she's bearing the worst of it. And people made an excellent point yesterday that I don't remember, like you guys let Maya Jama and Steph London pass for their comments and they were big women when they made their comments about dark-skinned women. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't teenagers. But they were is, grown at the time. Yeah. And that's colorism in itself, like <laughs> that the two, like the light-skinned like, women and the mixed-race women both get, I mean, they both face backlash, but that, the level of vitriol directed at them is probably not as much as the the dark woman who herself is actually a victim of the colorism. Um, mm. But what I did want to, I don't know what you guys think, but what did you guys think about the like the whole kind of like a lot of people were calling for people to be cancelled and for them not to have the platforms that they have and like you know a couple of the guys from like um, three shots of tequila, so Mister Exposed and Taser were people who were. Um, and that's like a popular podcast. They were like exposed. And I don't know what you guys think about like the whole unearthing people's tweets from the past. And I, sorry, Helen, do you want to go ahead first? No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> you go first. I, I, I find the notion of digging through people's tweets to find something to attack them with. I find that really, I find it corny. I think it's useless because I don't think cancel culture exists. Mm. I would like to hope that the people have evolved and changed and do not hold those views because not I, not everyone, no, not everyone, no one is born woke. We yeah. all have to undo the things that we have been taught in terms of race, in terms of colour. Now, I think it's very problematic if you try at your big age to justify that. And I I also think it's circumstantial in terms of 
how old were you when you made this? Because there's a difference between someone like Anella Rose who wrote that at 14 and then you writing something at 25. Yeah, exactly. So- I I don't understand. Sorry, but if you're going to go back and dig through someone's tweets, you want to find some racist tweets. There are people tweeting right now, like using that language. You could you could find that now. Why don't we address that as it's going on now? Do you know what I mean? People People do change and they grow. And yeah, it's it's kind of in, in a way. Give it. She, so she gave in her video. She gave a really, really. I think, I think she gave a really good explanation of where she was coming from and sort of how she had looked back. She had taken that opportunity to look back and say, actually, this was my motivation behind doing this, and this is. It's not uncommon for like young black girls to feel this way, and this is why I did it. Um, whereas actually the, the usual outcome when you do that, if it was someone white and you dug up those racist tweets, I would want evidence right now of how their current day life, they can prove they've changed and they don't have those conversations with their friends on their WhatsApp. I, I would want that evidence because I think racism from um, someone who's white, them kind of tweets from somebody who's white as opposed to a black person making those tweets, that is actually a very different situation. I, I, I feel I feel like it's different if you if you know if you if you do go in to say I mean any white celebrity if they had those tweets in the past and they apologized they wouldn't have that explanation they wouldn't be able to say listen I was I was insecure about myself and my own position as a as a young black girl no here's a white girl punching down what are you talking about that you, you there yeah. is no excuse you can say that you've learned and that's that again that is fine but you didn't have all all that is evidence of is that those prejudices still exist from people it's not yeah. that colorism is a very is so much more complex than literally racism which is in most cases actually black and white do you know what i mean it's so mm-hmm. much more complicated it's a much more complex conversation to have so and it's something it affects every community and it's gross now i mm. do believe that if you look at a person's actions and you say, you know what, what you have said has hurt me. It's made me feel very uncomfortable and I cannot consume your art or your content in the same way that I used to. Then mm. I think it's perfectly fine for you to say, you know what, I don't want to give you my money. Yeah, I loved Kanye West's music. <laughs> I, in my own consciousness, have decided... I cannot, I cannot play any more Kanye West music. I can't give him any really? streams. I, I have not listened to Sunday Service. I've been told it bangs. I've been told. <laughs> listen, <laughs> musicians around Adventist musicians around me have told me Natasha is actually really good. I'm like, I, I, I have no doubt because when it comes to music, Kanye is great. Mm. But me personally, the things that he has said and done, starting with that Kardashian woman. Leading up to now, I do not feel comfortable giving Kanye my money. But in terms of cancel culture, Nezi, look at the things that Kanye has done and Mm. said. And he is still at billionaire status. People still buy Yeezys. People will still stream his music and make him number one. Cancel culture doesn't exist. I think what cancel culture does, it really depends on the strength of your fan base. So I personally believe, and this is going to like the K-pop side of things, I don't believe that BTS will ever be cancelled. I just don't. Their their fan base is too strong. I don't think Beyonce will ever get cancelled. 
it literally comes down to people's um their their choice their favorites and how they choose to justify the person's actions and even like and also when you look at someone's worldwide success the whole of the black community could say in terms of Kanye we will not purchase anything that you put out and because of global success because of Kanye's white fan base Kanye will still be fine yeah because they're not interested it doesn't really bother them it's like yeah they're not they're not willing to uh they, they wouldn't be willing to have that conversation or open themselves up to that conversation because it means looking at themselves mm-hmm. yeah yeah so and it's a difficult yeah. conversation to have but it is I think no go ahead no go ahead I think for for a lot of white people I was actually thinking about this literally the other day as I was walking to work I think I I I feel like white people now feel that we're far enough removed from uh you know the times of slavery and racism doesn't exist anymore because you know there's no slavery and and there's equal rights for everyone equal like no shut up what are you talking about <laughs> like if you can mm-hmm. still if you can still put on a certain accent and have people know that what you're doing is pretending to be someone who's black and uneducated and poor and you're doing it in a de- derogatory um thing just by changing your accent Try tell me racism doesn't still exist. Do you know what I mean? If they don't think that racism exists, just mention Meghan Markle's name and see oh. the kind of conversation I work that with is woman, had. I work with, I work, they both actually, I don't work with them anymore, but I worked with the two women in my old job who just, there's just something about Meghan that I just don't think she's, she's very princess-like. I wonder what it is. I wonder what that is that you think is really very princess-like about her. Yeah, I just don't see her as a princess. It's just something about her. Is it her skin? Is that what it is? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's her skin. <laughs> like, and I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's it's insane. And they really do not think that it's racist. They genuinely do not think it, which is mind blowing to me, because if you say to somebody, "This is racist," or what you're doing, that is actually a, a racial prejudice you've got immediately the the response is to to go on the defensive rather than oh my god I'm really sorry like I didn't I didn't realize that what educate yourself you should always be learning like it's okay to be wrong as long as you learn from it I but think. when have I they think, ever had to I think... sorry I said when have they ever had to oh they don't have to because when... there's no consequence the the thing the things exactly they don't because they've never had to yeah i mean if they get called out on it what will they do nothing no they'll defend it to kingdom come i'm so sorry but i I have never forgotten or forgiven um what's his name danny baker for calling archie who is three quarters white a chimp in a suit and then watching sky news watching four white people of course against a, a, a few a hearst saying that you know um i don't but can we really call it racism like really yeah, like quite easily i mean as in like you mean calling a black person a monkey like have yeah. we been doing this since the beginning of time isn't this basic racism 101 mm-hmm. like it's i even call it lazy racism yeah yeah it's 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 funny like i so my brother 
loves football, right? He watches football and he and he and I have had so many conversations about like racism in football. They throw did I don't know if either of you watch football, but you you know like that we currently people yeah. throw bananas. They throw bananas onto the pitch. That's where we're at still. Mm-hmm. Like it's 2020. In 2020. Yeah, it's 2020. And the pl- and the black players are expected to stay on the pitch. The thing mm-hmm. that makes my blood boil is the fact that their fellow teammates will be there trying to calm them up. Like, no, yeah. mate, just stay. That, I was like, have the you... The only reaction should be everyone walk off. Solidarity should exactly. walk off. We're not playing. Fuck you. We got paid. Do you know what I mean? Like, we got paid. Let's leave because we can't. Like, you just can't. That is, it's unacceptable. The state of Even... this country... No, go ahead, Nosey. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, like the idea, even the idea of just like tying everything in that people, like black men, are expected to play football and stay on the pitch despite yes. the abuse. And I feel like it's exactly the same when it comes to black women and colorism. Um, the fact that we're, we're supposed to accept the abuse, be quiet, and continue to support black men, continue to like not be too pressed by what they say, blah, blah, blah. I feel mm. like it's a general attitude that people in positions of privilege expect the people who um, are the victims of their abuse to just stay and suck it up because there's a level yeah. of entitlement and a level of um, of dismissiveness. And I feel like every, it's not, every single group and it's not just even 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 when I think about I was thinking the other day about like um how at school we used to use really like ableist language against disabled people, like how it was really normal to make fun of disabled people in primary school and to make jokes about people being like you know um in wheelchairs or down syndrome, just like I don't know if i did, I just was much a particularly bad set of kids, but like <laughs> that it wasn't seen as like the worst thing ever to make a joke about somebody being disabled um and how it could be really easy if you're not disabled like I don't think about being able-bodied during the day at all yeah no like I don't think I've never like I my general I never go through my day thinking about the fact that I'm able-bodied I just think I'm normal Mm -hmm. mm-hmm I honestly feel like how white people feel. Yeah. Like, I feel like white people just feel normal. They don't think about not being white. They are just normal. And then, like, you know, if you see a disabled person maybe at a train station where they don't have access, that's when when your able-bodiedness comes into, like, oh, gosh, yeah, like, I'm not disabled. And I don't want to say, because I don't think being, being black is like being disabled. They're two very different things. But just thinking on that level of like why people can't see things um, yeah well there's a really then, narrow idea of what normal is isn't there yeah exactly so you just normal. see yourself as it. yeah you see yourself as normal and then say for example a disabled person went on tv and was like all able-bodied people have privilege and all able-bodied people have a level of ableism socially like socialized to them where they kind of are dismissive or kind of prejudiced against people who are disabled you Mm. might get really defensive and be like I've never thought anything particularly bad about a disabled person but the entire society is geared towards able-bodied people and you are a beneficiary of that 
no, I'm not sure exactly the same and way you're about racism or colorism. It's true because as someone who I, I work with people who have learned disabilities and when I tell you like when we just go out the attitude of some people mm-hmm. guys I have got into shouting matches in supermarkets behind my clients really but wow yeah I've literally had to be like this was years ago I had to be like to like when I'm like stand over there and I just started going off at this woman because she met, she was so cruel because yes at the time my like she my 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 client was shouting in the supermarket and I was just calming her down and she came up to me I was like ugh what is wrong with her I was <gasps> like okay okay you know what now you and I are going to fight <laughs> yeah good because what you are not what you're not going to do like you you can see something is wrong you can see something is wrong and even from looking at her this is one of those because the things are not everyone with with learning disabilities you can tell something's wrong but this is a situation where like you can tell that you know my client has learning disabilities and just instead of having compassion or even just at the base minding your business you decided Mm. to come up to me and take away her humanity yeah so I'm like okay And it's not the first time I've had to deal with it. And I've spoken to other people who have who are in my line of work who've been like, yep, I have like almost come to blows. Like people don't even see an issue with being out of order. As if it it couldn't just take, you know, say you're in childbirth and you know, um, you know, what's the word what I'm trying to say? You know when um not enough oxygen gets the gets to the brain of your baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Nezi, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm making like a very uh, medically <laughs> incorrect <laughs> statement. But I'm like, it, it takes something simple to happen for things to all go left mm. in terms of your child. Yeah, like, it does. Yeah. I, I'm trying not to cry, as I mentioned the story, but we have a friend of the family who um, their son was completely fine went to uni his uni accommodation had mild you okay um he ended up in a vegetated state and now he has essentially he has learning disabilities and um oh my god take your time yeah i'm fine it's just it's so anything can happen yeah and like and an 18 year old who went to uni to you know have their experiences get their degree and do all the things in life that we expect um 18 year olds to go into just we expect them to you know get all their life skills and become fully functioning members of society that was taken away because of the incompetence of a university and I could not imagine someone coming to him in Tesco's and be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, no. We've just got to be better than that. But I was going to say, how do you guys feel when you... How do you deal with looking at colorism within other communities? And 
I don't know if you guys have looked at your phones and seen the picture that I've sent you. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, he- Helen, I know you've seen this picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so like many Thank other you. photos. <laughs> yeah. Nezzy, have you oh seen it? God. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Okay, so oh, I'm going to explain to the audience. So I've sent them a picture of Solar from Mamamoo. Um, Mamamoo is Korean girl group. Personally, my favorite girl group. And Solar is like... <sighs> her and Fwasa are fighting for my favorite place in the group. But <laughs> I love Solar. I love her so, 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 so much. So... Helen, that picture came into our group chat, but that picture is horrifying. Awful, isn't it? It's awful. Yes. The reason why I'm mentioning this picture, though, is is basically where Solar's makeup, her foundation, is what I like to call a a full sheet of paper white. Mm -hmm. But that is not Solar's (laughs) skin tone at all. And the things are, you can see it from the neck down, but the makeup in itself is terrible. Guys, Please testify. <laughs> it looks like she hasn't um, rubbed in her moisturizer properly. You know, when you when it's not yeah. completely absorbed into the skin. That's genuinely. I don't mean in that horrible way. That's what it looks like. It looks like she's not quite done with her sun cream. That's what it looks like. I can't I imagine somebody. Say. Right. <laughs> yeah. That definitely. Like so, it looks like residue. Like literally. Sorry, Nezzy, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just about. Okay. I think we've lost. No, we've got you. Oh, yes. No, we got you. I was saying it literally looks like um when I was a kid and they used to not have sun cream for like darker skin. So I would just put like <laughs> not... <laughs> and my face would just be white, like go on school trips and just like a white face. That's what it literally Oh my like. gosh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we're saying all this and this is in no way shape or form to make fun of solar because the thing that struck me when i saw this picture is the fact that solar is a she is a celebrity in south korea and she has makeup artists she has a whole team behind her especially since um what helen like her single spit out has just come out yeah and these pictures were taken, that picture was taken, what, over the last week? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's on She's on a promotional tour right now. <laughs> so she didn't, this, we can't even say that the makeup was done by herself. No. This is done by her, this is done by her <laughs> team. Her team. And the thing is, though, because, well, especially for those of us who watch K-dramas, who listen to Korean music, we know that, you know, to look whiter than white is the standard of beauty over there. But I feel like it's only in the last couple of months and even more this month, I have noticed that, is this what your makeup team does to you? Like when you go on stage And, and to everyone else, this is not only is this fine, it is acceptable. Uh-huh. Cause there's a difference between um like if you if you look at somebody um just putting their makeup on uh just for the day-to-day life and the difference between that and makeup for someone going on stage is very different and they take into consideration the fact that there'll be lights 
and that people need to be able to make out their facial expressions from a distance. So Mm -hmm. there's a difference when you have like stage makeup, but this isn't stage makeup. This is just her out and about. Like, I don't know how they could get that so wrong. I really, I mean, I do know. And that's just because every, you could, right. A black woman could not buy makeup in Korea. You can't, you just can't. I can't buy, there's no foundation or anything for my skin tone. And do you know what I mean? Oh, and oh no, crazy. no, you can now. Rihanna just came to South Korea last year, remember? Oh, really? Oh, yeah, okay. Fenty Beauty oh, really? is Fenty. now. No, yeah, Rihanna was, was it the beginning? No, it wasn't the beginning of it. It was the end of last year. And I remember it was this whole thing about Fenty Beauty was finally coming to South Korea. <laughs> Excellent. I've been told that I've been told that unfortunately it's only in duty free at the airport. (laughs) But there's this particular um, there's this particular model in South Korea. Oh, my goodness. What's the baby's name? Um, Han. Gosh, what is his name? Helen, you know that boy I'm talking about, the one who's a model, the one who does like all the Mnet shows. Yes, I do know who you mean. What is his name? I'm trying, oh my goodness, wait, again, Google, South Korean black model. <laughs> what is his the name? Is, Google will tell me exactly who he is. Um, oh my goodness. And oh, Han Hyun Min. That's it. Han Hyun Min. <laughs> Nezi, if you get the chance to Google this baby, he, like, I say baby because I swear down he's only 20 years old. Yeah, he's like but... 20 years old, something like that. <laughs> What's his name? It's, it's Han... Han- well, well, Han Hyun Min. So it's H A N space H Y U N space yeah. Min. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So his mom is Korean and his father's Nigerian. And he's a model. He's doing very well in South Korea. And you usually find oh, him. He's cute. Yeah, right? he's so sweet. Yeah, you, you usually find him um, hosting music shows. So he's very popular out there. When I tell you that this boy's foundation used to break the hearts of any black person who is into anything Korean, because when I tell you he looked like he was the cousin of Casper, like the makeup was gray, it was ashy, and it was it would hurt us because this boy's skin is beautiful. Basically, I'm telling you right now, I have seen the difference from Fenty landing in south oh korea <laughs> from his instagram like i've seen the work i know that his team went to whatever airport and took stock of the foundation because his foundation has been on point ever since oh ever since Fenty got there so no funny. it's true it's true but when i look at these um these korean and it's it's hard i feel like over the last week ever since i saw that picture of solar and now i every every performance i have watched of anyone whether it be got seven mom and me whatever i am now looking at their face and i'm looking at the neck and yeah. i'm seeing um, helen my brain can't switch off i know i said in the group chat but i keep seeing it i keep seeing their face and i keep seeing the neck and it's yeah. it's too significant a difference it's it's you're so right. It, it, it's I mean, and the other thing to look at would be their arms and stuff. Because <laughs> you, you, what's funny is in the dance routines a lot of the time is you know there's a lot of handwork. So the hand will be by the face, 
and like move across the face and by the by their head and stuff and you're like wait a minute whose hand is that (laughs) that doesn't look like you (laughs) so it's it's crazy and they got they can't use the excuse of yeah they can't even use the excuse of oh like this is it's for when they're on stage and stuff like that because it's in the photo shoots and then the um the photo shoots the, are the worst and the fan sites they whitewash the um they whitewash photos and then oh, wait, like, we need to explain will... to nezzy what fan sites are oh you you, you explain it you'll explain it better i, I, <laughs> I assume it's just like i assumed it was just like Sites for fans of these people. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's kind of, but it's a bit more like you see some. First of all, aren't a good chunk of fan sites are not really legal. <laughs> oh, so, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and then you have like so fan sites. They will they the people who run them literally act like TMZ. So they will be at the airports or wherever these idols are taking their own pictures Mm. and uploading them to their sites. And some of these sites have massive following. Like an idol's career can be strengthened, maybe just the size of their fan site. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But fan sites are notorious for taking a picture of an artist in South Korea and already lightening and no and they will lighten an already lightened picture yeah and after this is done and they in all in all fairness they don't just do this to koreans they do this to everyone so when rihanna went to south korea the pictures that were released in south korea of like oh my goodness rihanna's here um why did Rihanna look like a white woman? Yeah, who's they that had, white woman? <laughs> they, they drained all the colour out her skin. And then, you know, Tom Holland, who plays Spider-Man? Yeah. Yeah. He, naturally, he is a white boy. I think he's like 23 years old. Yeah. Somehow is. they took this white man and also whitewashed his pictures. <laughs> it's crazy. The, 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 the standard of whiteness on that side of things is actually unbelievable and for me personally i feel like (laughs) if you don't know huge bts fan (laughs) and i i didn't when i was getting into them i got into them may 2018 i didn't realize how bad the colorism is yeah um, for that particular group until October. And do you want to know what the transition was for me? It was, it was seeing them on Graham Norton because I've noticed now that when Koreans come to America and England, the makeup is very different. It's almost as if they know that their colorism will not be received well over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do remember. I, I remember BTS being on uh, Graham Norton and just thinking, especially Jin and J Hope. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Then I'm seeing, I'm seeing your natural skin color. This, I like this. This is good. <laughs> Nezzy, I'm gonna send you the pictures of what they looked like on Graham Norton, and then there's standard picture of them in Korea because I saved it on my phone because I was actually flawed. Like I couldn't. So I've been standing them, consuming their, consuming their content for about, what, four months at this point? Mm-hmm. I spent, like, the whole of the summer of 2018 just watching their stuff. 
And it was not until they were on Graham Norton, I actually felt like I was looking at them for the first time. That is crazy. It's, a, it's so funny because, like, I think of that even just in terms of, um, just, like, when I would when I was in Nepal, just looking at the billboards and thinking, like, all these people are definitely lightened for these advertisements. Yeah. Like, mm. 100%. And it's kind of, it's weird because, I don't know, like, c- colorism is definitely, like, it was there almost before white people came. Because I know, like, in countries, um, in a lot of countries in Asia, it's, like, even before white people came and colonised, there was st- colorism was there already. Yeah, so it's, yeah. so, it's so deeply ingrained. It's, like, centuries of practice. And that I it's can't almost... re- Go on. Can, no, sorry. It's just because when you said it's, like, centuries of practice, it made me think because I remember watching... Uh, I can't remember if I watched it or read it, but... Um, if your if your skin is dark, if you have a darker skin tone, it's an indication of your um, working in the fields. Yeah, working in the fields. It's an indication yeah. that, of, of you being of a lower status. And mm. so now, even in um, everywhere in Korea, like when I went there, it was hot. It was sunny. Everyone had umbrellas. People were carrying umbrellas because they didn't want to tan. Yeah. Which to me, I was like, what are you talking about? Huh? You don't want to tan? This is like, that's just the most natural thing in the world. And mm. But no, people would are deliberately like the SPF, like um, sun cream every day. Do, what, do not want to look darker because that's an indication that you are of a lower status. And I don't understand, like, that's so crazy of a concept to me that you would think that deeply about it but they do it's it's in their culture to do that and it's yeah it's mad really yeah and I'll tell you something over the, especially over the last month it has been extremely hard for me to watch anything um Nezi while I was explaining this I've sent you the pictures but mm-hmm. so I love watching Studio Trump um which is basically where most Korean artists who especially idols will go to to perform their latest single I love it because it really shows off the dances it's very precise and Studio Chum is actually now realized it is the worst for like this lighting and making these these people look whiter than white yeah. I, I can't enjoy Studio Chum anymore and it makes me so sad oh my gosh these BTS guys are very good looking Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they are, aren't they? There's not a bad one among them. They're all so cute. Yeah, they're honestly very cute. Like, okay, I understand why you guys are international pop stars. <laughs> okay, like, and hopefully my Twitter makes a little bit more sense now. <laughs> I mean, like, always, like, I see your pose. Like, it's so funny. Can I, like, just on a side note, I have you, you and my other friend, um she's not into bts but she's into like manga and like anime and it's so mm-hmm. nice being like black women in just into not i mean we i know we are diverse but it's just like seeing it in real time on my timeline it's so nice seeing black women with interests that are so completely oh god i have what no idea what they're talking about <laughs> like <laughs> I Nezzy, like, you sound like you're underwater, no babe. Yeah, underwater, under a bridge. <laughs> nope, we still don't have you, girl. 
Oh, editing is going to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's locked down. There's not really again. much. We did lose you. Again, yeah. We got you okay. back. Yeah, no, I was saying okay. your timeline is so, it's so like, I, I have no idea what's going on in your timeline, like half the time. I'm like, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> I don't know what they do. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. But I just know that Tasha's really excited about this. <laughs> so but don't you think, actually, but like, Twitter's a really good, actually, and I know, like, awful thing. It's it's possible to, like, attack people so easily on there. But I think it's actually such an amazing place to kind of find people and realise that you're not the only one. Because I, yeah. I I don't know who it was, but, again, my brother, because he's a bit of a nerd, he, he even said to me, he was like, you should see the, like, vitriol that is targeted towards black people who do cosplay as characters that are not black in the game or the comic or the film. Oh like, my gosh. That is went, such, that conversation. Ooh, especially I since I would love it. to cosplay. I would I love could, it. You could, but you should, this is, this is the thing. Like you should, <laughs> like you just should. Cause I might like my brother is like, actually it's really interesting to talk to somebody who's into that stuff. Cause I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I was like, what do you mean they get harassment? He was like, you can't if you're black and you go as say like Captain America, then it, it's it's you're ridiculed because Captain America's not yeah. black. It's like what the hell? Like Yeah, if I went to um say Comic Con dressed as Sailor Moon and I put the pictures up on Twitter, mm-hmm. they would be people in my mentions be like, How dare you? Sailor Moon has blonde long hair, what are you doing dressed up as yeah. her? And I'm just like, she is literally anime. Yeah, she's, like, not she's, real. <laughs> she's not real. She's not real. She's not real. But yeah, no, it's, it, it's amazing. But I will say to your point, Nezzy, uh, the people that got me into all things Korean were were black girls. Wow. No, absolutely. Because there's a massive Specifically black community. girls from Zambia. Yeah, there's a massive community of black women who are really into And I, I find it so fascinating, but I just find it, like I really like that um, social media has done that, allowed black girls to who have certain interests that might have been seen as like oh niche or things that black girls were into to find like really great big communities of people who are just into it like I really love that I think it's it's, great and I think it's having an impact it's having an impact on um uh like it's how can I say this sorry I'm really bad with my words but like when you see (laughs) when you see um, (laughs) oh you guys Um, when you see like um so I didn't know this, but you know, you know Captain Marvel. You know the 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 film that came out, the girl Captain Marvel. Yes, um, Brie Larson. Yeah, so Brie Larson. There is a um, a version of um, Captain Marvel. I don't know if it's exactly Captain Marvel, but a Muslim girl who, like, one of in the comics, there's a Muslim girl who is who plays. Um, I think, I think she plays Miss Marvel or Ms. Marvel or something. So mm-hmm. that's like the character is a Muslim girl. And I, I had, mm-hmm. again, this conversation with my brother and he was like, yeah, you know, people were really against it because mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of white people were like, you know, why, why do we, why do we need to have a Muslim Miss Marvel? And it's like, count because the number represent- of Muslim characters. <laughs> like, it matters, doesn't it? Representation matters. It's how a lot of people had a lot of upset about the fact that in the comic books, Iron Man's successor is this black girl called Riri Riri Williams and she's called Iron Heart. Mm. 
Yeah. And yeah. they kind of allude to her in in the oh in Miss Marvel I think don't they in Captain Marvel sorry they they allude to um, Carol's friend's daughter Shana Lynch's character. Wait, is she her... meant to be Riri? I need to, listen. I just got Disney Plus. I'm going to watch it tonight. <laughs> so watch it and just but like the there's a lot of kind of uh, implications that that's where they're going with her. The Shana Lynch's um, daughter in the film. I am excited. Yes, you should not have given me this information. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just watch it with that in mind, thinking that the, the daughter of her friend is like super into tech and um, science and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You I guys know, right? know that I'm such a nerd. Oh, no, but this it's great, brings but, me joy. But this is the thing. Like, this is what I think is so cool is that now, like, like I said, Twitter can be a cesspool, but when you, ha- when you give people the opportunity to be vocal about what they like and then you look at, at where these people are coming from, the demographics, you're like, oh, actually, we need to diversify in, in, yeah. in our content 100%. to reflect who our audience is, you know, and it's good. 100%. It's mm. great. It means that it forces companies to think about, you know what, and, and this is why I, the whole thing with Fenty, like, blows my mind because the original argument that makeup artists used to make was that not makeup artists sorry makeup companies used to make was that mm. they didn't have a diverse skin ra- uh, shade range because like it wasn't economically profitable and black women weren't going to buy the makeup <laughs> and Rihanna basically came in and was just like you're underwater you again love <laughs> and I'm oh no and, and I feel like you're about to make such a brilliant point I know I really want to know what you're going to say <laughs> come back Sorry, guys. Where are you? I'm back. I'm back. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now we can. Stand completely still. I don't know. (laughs) Wherever you are in your position, don't move. Don't. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was saying that um, when Rihanna came in and did Fenty, she basically, basically said, "You guys are all liars, and I'm going to prove that you're all liars." Mm -hmm. And because as soon as she launched, she was sold out. Like all the like. Can can you ever get four twenty in Fenty? Like it is always potentially sold out. I don't have Fenty foundation. I I swear by Fenty lip gloss. Oh, I love I love Fenty four twenty. I will forever buy it. Now, for me, the only reason why I don't have the foundation is purely because my experience with Maybelline when I was like 14, 15 (laughs) put me off foundation so much. And I found that foundation makes my skin itch. So I don't wear it. But if I was ever to subscribe to wearing foundation, I'm going straight to Miss Rihanna Fenty. Honestly. And and it was such good quality as well, but it just made everyone else looks stupid and that's why I refuse to buy from brands who didn't have like the only I don't really wear foundation that much anymore I normally just wear concealer and like a setting powder but I refuse to buy from like the big makeup brands who didn't have a shade range for black women Mm -hmm. before like I'm not buying like I'm not buying sorry Charlotte Tilbury I'm not buying Charlotte Tilbury because like you guys only started doing this like a year ago when Rihanna started you know what I mean like you didn't have a diverse shade range before or yeah, there's, there's ranges like you know Bobby Brown, Mac, um, who always did, who always catered for darker skin, mm-hmm. and have consistently always done so. And so it's just like you can tell, like companies, um, companies don't. There's no reason for companies to not be diverse and for not market to their things towards like 
black or you know Asian people because there is definitely a market yeah like it's not that we don't it's not that we don't buy stuff it's just that you don't care to market to us well they wanted they didn't want they didn't want black women's money to buy their products exactly they want want black women's money when they know it's going to go to a black woman who set up that business yeah Yeah. absolutely and when I tell you guys Rihanna businesswoman has made me such a huge fan of Rihanna because right. I was I was never into her music. Any one yeah, of my right. friends will tell you right. that I I couldn't give it to Rihanna music wise, but her business, what she's done for the like in terms of her lingerie and then in just in terms of especially the makeup game, mm. I have to always give her a standing ovation because this is gonna sound so crude but I feel like what she did was give the entire makeup industry a huge wedgie like she pulled up their other way there was lines outside what was it Sephora in New York I, I saw the pictures I queued outside at Harvey Nichols and it wasn't wow. on the wrong it was literally at like I think it was like eleven o'clock in the morning on a random weekday when I had a day off, like after a couple of night shifts, and I thought no one was going to be there. But I literally went to just I was like, oh, no one's going to be here because it's like eleven o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Everyone should be at work, so I'm just going to go in and pop in and get the foundation while everybody's at work. And I still had to queue <laughs> to get Fenty. This was like when it obviously like the first couple of weeks it came out. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's when I realized I was like, "Wow, she's has literally changed the game." Of course, it, it's, it's makeup game for, like, and that's why I think personally for me, Rihanna is more iconic than Beyonce. People will drag me for this, but Ooh, I, I don't. Okay, speak your truth, please. I honestly feel like. For me, so for me, I'm not into Rihanna's music. Beyonce, I like a couple of Beyonce's tracks, but like I'm not, like I've never listened to a Beyonce album start to finish, and I don't think I ever will. Oh, um, I can't breathe. <laughs> Do you know what though? I, I think like Rihanna's impact on the makeup industry, even and even on the on the underwear industry in terms of Savage Fenty, I think that impact, the longevity of that impact, like I think yeah. she has shifted the makeup industry forever. Like not even she shifted it forever. I think I think it was like monumental. Um, and I think in terms of just what I've seen in terms of shade range and marketing to black women since that has just been a completely different. Has been it's been a massive shift. I think it's a massive shift. And I think I, we, I can't. It's it's iconic to me. And I don't. It I, is. It's weird because I not you. Anyone who knows me knows I'm not like I'm definitely a church girl. I'm definitely not <laughs> like. Rihanna is not on my playlist. I don't think I have a single relative. <laughs> but I can't deny it's, it's iconic. No, it is iconic because the way the other brands were falling over themselves, like mm-hmm. Fenty had been out for what less than a month, and suddenly these other brands were like, wait, 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 wait. we've got we've got shades for dark skins mm-hmm. girls too. It's not just us. And we were like, no, sorry, oh, right. it's too late. No, it's actually too late. Because the the L'Oreal's of this world, you've you've been running the makeup industry for how long? You could have been done this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You chose not to. And Helen, you made an excellent point. It's like, oh, so 
you didn't want black women's money before, but let a black woman establish a business and have it be doing so monumentally well. And suddenly, suddenly now you want to diversify your entire range. You could have, you could have done this 20 years ago. And that's why Fenty is going to have this level of loyalty forever because people will not forget that yeah we didn't have this option before we literally didn't have this option more than four years ago yeah we had naomi campbell but we didn't have makeup for black women it's like you you how can you have yeah how is that possible Mm. no it it doesn't it doesn't make a single piece of sense and even as nezi said about even the marketing for fenty the level of the kind of black women she had also as her models were not even the standard um model types especially if you look at slick woods the girl with the bold head and the gap in her teeth yeah rihanna has been so invested in that girl's career i think rihanna is now the god child the godmother of her slick woods's child (laughs) (laughs) but i remember seeing like you know east asian women in there and southeast asian women yeah, in. and that's another thing. Like in the industry, like East Asian and South Asian women were not like hadn't weren't getting. I didn't see many models who were like East Asian and South Asian. It's always been like a token, and and the way that she kind of was just like so inclusive, even in terms of having someone who's um hijabi as one of the main yeah. models in the first launch. I thought it was amazing. Even Savage Fenty, basically Savage Fenty, basically like was like bye to Victoria's Secrets like they're just like yeah bye Victoria's Secrets you're no longer wanted like you're no longer needed or necessary mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. after they had their fashion shows and they had you know people with disabilities they had plus size women it's just like Victoria's Secrets just seems so redundant and regressive yeah Especially since Victoria's Secrets made a statement said that they will not include plus size models in their um, Victoria's Secret show so it's like, it's like, okay, guys, I, I understand that there was once upon a time where Victoria's Secrets was the elite of underwear and everyone, especially men, I'm sure, looked forward to the Victoria's Secret show, which is why, <laughs> like, A-list artists will still get invited to the Victoria's Secret show to perform while the models are walking up and down to this day. Like, I've seen Rihanna mm-hmm. do it, I've seen Bruno Mars do it. So we know that once, like, Victoria's Secrets was a big deal, but times have changed. People want to see themselves represented, and there's options. So if you won't do it, Rihanna will. And the only reason why I didn't watch a Savage Fenty um, um, fashion show on Amazon was literally because it was on Sabbath, and I was like, damn it, I can't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason, though. That's a valid reason. It's a very good reason. (laughs) Very valid reason. It is is an amazing reason. But when when I saw the pictures, I was like... (laughs) But, guys, during this lockdown, I've actually become obsessed with Savage Fenty. I'm always on the (laughs) website, just like, in my cart. In my cart. I really want to try it, but I just haven't got my... I haven't, like... I just haven't bought it yet. Have you tried anything? No, because um, with Savage Fenty, you have to, like, measure... (sighs) my rack is kind of big so I have to measure it I I'm, um, I don't fall into the standard sizes that was like a quiet flex guys basically just in case you didn't know. 
it was a quiet reduction for years i really want to get one i am not like you little girls your little itty bitty titties just so you know your girls are <laughs> yeah, I would actually love to have itty bitty titties because then I could actually buy bras for a human price. Like, who is it? This oh, someone on my Twitter said this a couple of months ago, and I've never forget. And they were saying, if you want a man to prove to you that he really has money, like he's really willing to spend money on you, tell him to find like to buy you five good bras. <laughs> oh my like, god. Can you actually, like, I have a really awkward like I have an awkward bra size so like a lot of shops don't do my size because I have I have quite I have a very small back um so like honestly like if I found a guy who was who was willing to buy that much underwear for me that would be a keeper for real that's yeah a, that's a turn on I'm not gonna lie <laughs> just a thought <laughs> okay. five good bras for me because it like I got I've always been measured when I buy bras, but I went to this place that specifically caters for, um, I guess, women of my bustish size and bigger. So it turns out that my back size has actually been wrong all this time. Um, so my back is like a 32 and I've always thought it was a, I've always been told it's a 34. Anyway, but the cup size, damn. So the average price of my bras will be like 30 to 40 pounds. For one. Oh my God, for one. For one. So if a man was to buy me, not at sale price, just my regular bra at full price, buy me five of them, that, that's 200 pounds. Insane. It's a lot. Men are so lucky. Can you imagine just your life just being Calvin Klein's or Primark boxes? Oh. But then to be fair, like, I, I think we're also lucky too because I feel like lingerie is just, it's so fun. and like It is I, fun, so fun. If you can afford it. Oh yeah, my God, if you can afford it. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, but have you seen the prices of Savage Fenty? I was like, oh my goodness. I must have everything. But Rihanna requires me to measure myself. So I'm going to measure myself because I know the sizes are there. I just need to measure. And as soon as I get that measure out and I evaluate my cup size in Fenty size, I'm buying and I will report back That's to you. It. Yeah. My size is Fenty size and no other shop size. Just Fenty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so much fun, guys. You can get sets for like £15. What? Yes. Yeah, but don't you have to subscribe? Isn't that the thing? I will, what's what's wrong with subscribing? What's the problem? Get some new stuff every month. <laughs> I feel like you have to buy stuff every month. But I mean, I guess you can. You don't have to. You I'll can like it. it on delay, don't you? <laughs> Listen, okay. this quarantine Thank has you. really changed my shopping interests. It's true. It's like, where are you actually going? You might just buy laundry and stay at home. Yes, and, I, and I'll just be like dancing in front of my mirror. Like, look at me. This is great. It's true. <laughs> it well, I might never leave my house. <laughs> well, the way in which the world is going, the way this government is treating this lockdown, Ooh, I don't know. We're it. gonna be in, we're gonna be inside for a while, a while, guys. I think we are. Don't. It's upsetting. <laughs> it's really upsetting. No, no. I what was it? I read yesterday 
that 15,000 people are still coming into the UK daily and the health secretary doesn't find it necessary to test them because he said, and I quote, and I actually quote this word for word, he said that... um, that there's little scientific evidence to show that it would halt the spread of COVID-19. What? I'm confused. I I was like, and this is our conservative government. Oh, my God. But you know, everyone's just distracted by Boris's baby. I don't care. Get him to get our head in the game, please. Like, this is a distraction. I feel like this is a PR stunt. Honestly, I just, like, I don't care about him and his side chick and their baby. Like, I just don't care. It's almost like his sixth child. I mean, like, after child yeah, number right? four. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't, like, you know, for every baby that enters this world that is healthy and happy, I'm, like, blessings. But to exactly. be honest with you, mm-hmm. Chen from EXO also announced that he had a baby girl. And between Boris, EXO, uh, Nezi, EXO's a K-pop group. He had a baby oh, yeah. girl today, and I was like, between the two of them, I care more about Chen's baby. <laughs> yeah, like, me too. I feel like that as well. I'm just like, I don't even know who Chen is, but I'm sure I care more about his baby. But I mean, the, I just feel like... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want, you know, I hope his baby, Boris Johnson's baby is, is healthy because yeah. I would never wish it on a child. But like, I don't care any more than I care about any of the random babies that were born in the hospital down the road from me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it means nothing mm. to me. Um, it's just weird. Exactly. They're talking about this baby as if it's going to bring everything, bring everyone together. It's like, this baby, this. This is the answer. This this holy union. What? Like, this, this, it's just a baby. It's his side chick. Like, exactly. <laughs> And it's just like, they, they, everyone's got over the fact that he actually left his wife, who was like, who had cancer. What? I didn't know this. What? Yeah. Like, I'm like, he's a really awful human. Can we stop celebrating him and like his evil, like, like, girlfriend or I don't know, fiance, whatever she is. As if, like, I just, it's just weird. This whole country is just, it's weird. It's gone to the dogs. Can I? I know this is going to sound really awful, but and I'm, I will edit this out. But when he was in hospital, I was, and you know he made this whole thing about you know the nurses stayed by my side. I was like, I hope they're pinching you every single day for the fact that you've been <laughs> trying to strip the NHS to its bare bones for the past how many years. And yes, I know it wasn't just you; it was also your conservative predecessors. But I'm hoping. That each and every nurse that is bypassing you is giving you a solid pinch. <laughs> does, that make, does that make me a terrible person? No, I think a pinch. No. I think a pinch is okay. Yeah, I feel like we can't wish death. On, we can't wish death on no, people. No, but I, think, no. I think we can wish a pinch. I think a pinch is more like, um, you know, a little bit of mild punishment. It's not really the end of the world. No, I don't wish death upon anyone. I, I when I heard that he had COVID, I was like, oh, the irony. Yeah, Mr. This stupid man. S- Mr. What was it? Some of your relatives will die. Like, wow. <laughs> but I'd like the way that he said it as if um, he was surprised by nurses caring for patients. Like, wow, you know what? Actually, these people, they're not standing about and doing nothing. They, they, these nurses, they, they cared for me. And these doctors, they, they brought me back to health. So, uh, guys, NHS maybe not so bad. It's like you think. Um, I know. 
<laughs> what did you expect them to be doing? Playing chess I, while you coughed? Like, what are you talking about? And it shows how great the staff are because, to be honest, this is the same guy who voted for their for them to have for them to not have a pay rise like a couple of years ago, and it's just like treat like the NHS staff just treated him just the same as they would any other patient, which is what they should do. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just like yeah, sad. and that's why they deserve to pinch him. Like exactly, you know <laughs> it was their versions of reparations. I'm like, take what you can get, guys. Because this man, no, it's a PR. I know that obviously having a baby is not a PR stunt, but the amount of emphasis the media is giving it, I'm just, I, I, I truly just don't care. No, I don't care about his baby. Sorry, I'm, I'm the same as you guys. I hope that baby's healthy and happy and whatever. But um, that's the extent of it. This, I, I care about it sufficiently as much as I care about every other human being that exactly. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? like leave us alone give us a cure you see how australia and new zealand were strict in their measures and now their people are free and here we are you know what this is going to sound awful again i may need to edit this out (laughs) in my household we were watching videos on youtube of like the indian police like beating people with sticks who were outside i was just like (laughs) you know what maybe if this comes I mean, that's what we need. I mean, granted, we shouldn't give police any more powers than they need to because, again, police, ethnic minorities. But I'm just saying, like, oh, Tasha, this is the thing. When you see those people who are out in big gatherings in the park because they don't care, it's the people who aren't afraid of the law, who aren't afraid of police. And what do they all look like? White. They were white. You don't see any ethnic minorities out and about. Uh, in you know what? Unless they're going Valid to and point. from work, right? You have have made an exquisite point because I didn't even think about that. That that video of all those people gathered on Westminster Bridge at Thursday at 8pm clapping with the police right behind them also (laughs) clapping with them. I saw that video and I was mad. Yeah, not an ethnic. I am here in my whole house. No one ethnic was on that bridge. No one, everyone ethnic knew better. Right. Right. <laughs> Crazy. Child, I'm so mad. <laughs> but let me wrap up, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. It has Keep been us. it's Thank been such you. a it's been fun great. conversation. Mm. It's been informative. Uh-huh. Um one at a time, starting with Nezi, please tell the people where they can find you if you want them to find you or what you do. Um so you can find me um can i do also we have a podcast called tales from the plantation um and you can find us on plantation tales i think on twitter plantation tales on twitter um you can search tales from the plantation on spotify and um soundcloud you can find me on twitter at nez oh gosh what's my twitter handle nezita n-e-z-z-e-t-a (laughs) um yeah that's me. Helen, where the, where can the good people find you? Ooh, okay. So you can find me personally um, at, oh no, it's Helen, or one word. So as if, oh no, it's Helen. Um, that's on Twitter. Uh, I do a podcast with my friend Sarah. We talk about um, K-pop. Basically, we review new K-pop music. Um, uh, and we're also on Twitter at, at UKpop podcast um 
you can find us also on SoundCloud at the same address, UK, at UK Pop Podcast. Um, yeah, that's all my social, really, I think. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Thank you. And you can find me. Why did I have to mm. contemplate where you can find me? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me personally at Tasha Sampa on Instagram and Sampa Tasha on Twitter. Just to clarify, the reason why it's not the other way around is because someone on Twitter took it first. Yeah. I don't know who you are, but I'm upset. <laughs> and so a soulful storm is on all is on all socials, all lowercase or one word, and it's also on Spotify and Anchor. So, ladies, wait, before we wrap up, Helen, just because, like, this can be, like, our storm story. Can you please, 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 please share the story uh, uh, that you shared in the group chat about the girl who sniffed you? Okay. (laughs) What? You're going to love this. I'm so upset. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, um, oh, my God. All right. So, I, when I went to university and I was living in halls in my first year, I lived with a couple of um, quite middle-class girls. Uh, There was also um, a girl who was originally from Zimbabwe and grew up in Tunisia um mm-hmm. and so between like between us we were having this conversation one day that they were talking about how people with different skin colors um have different smells and now oh, obviously God. like stop, right stop, so I I stop, stop. <laughs> no see, <laughs> I was in this situation so you have to <laughs> you have to hear it um, stop, so okay. <laughs> it's the colorism theme we're on yeah it's it's cut it's colorism for sure so I uh, and obviously like I said I pass for white so you don't you don't know it until I say to somebody actually yes I'm mixed race you mm-hmm. wouldn't know it and I lived with these girls for quite a while maybe a few weeks um possibly months I've been living there with them and the conversation came up they were both very both from like Salisbury and Bath you know <laughs> like super white places <laughs> oh so, so so their um theory was so they didn't I, <laughs> essentially they had got to the point where they were saying you know um Indian people they tend to smell of like you know like spices and stuff like that you know like quite exotic like spices um you know like often like a curry smell and I remember saying to you in the, <laughs> I remember saying to Tasha in the chat like um I get it if you I I know from like relatives houses or even neighbors houses that if you're somebody who cooks a lot if you do a lot of Indian cooking then yeah there will be you know yeah, say true, but you don't right, say that but, you're not yeah. like, but as a person you don't smell of curry that's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard and then yeah. the comment was that white people they don't really have a smell but if they do have a smell it's sort of like a milk <laughs> I was like they smell like milk right that's what that's what they thought they smell like milk and so because milk has a right? smell right <laughs> if it's off it does right so my uh flatmate um the one from Zimbabwe was like well what does Helen smell like because she's she's half Asian she's half Indian and half white and they didn't know that and Pida knew it because we'd we'd had that conversation and Mm. um they were like oh um well you know actually I'm not sure they they sniffed me oh my gosh so they came and sniffed me I I don't know what I don't know but why, the outcome of that was that, like and this sort of the the outcome was, of it was like that me? it's sort of like a you you smell like a sort of a like a spicy milk, like kind of like milk. They lied. Like, no, stop it! Stop <laughs> it! I, I, I wish, 
I'm going to find, like, I'm going to have to go back onto Facebook one day and find the people who were with me in the flat at the time and be like, do you, like... Do you remember that time? Seriously, because these are the two girls who also... Now, this isn't a colorism thing, but this will tell you how stupid they are. They both were in agreement that babies... (laughs) Babies are are born with their heads full size. What? What? (laughs) Yeah. So somewhere they got mixed up, you know? So you know how there's this thing of, like, your... um, I, I, I think it might be your eyeballs or something. There's a part of your body that doesn't change size. It might not even be your eyeballs, but like there's parts of your body that grow through your whole life, like your ears and your nose. But then there are parts of your body that are more or less full size when you're an infant. And I think they must Mm -hmm. have got that mixed up because they were having this conversation about, no, 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 no. Babies are born with their heads full size. Like your head doesn't change size from when you're a baby. And one of them is now a midwife. One of them's a midwife. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I like at the end of this conversation, like I was in disbelief. And I said, So you're telling me that I could go into H and M, for example, buy a baby's hat and put it on my head. And that's when it, that's that's when the penny dropped for them. Like, oh no, maybe not. Maybe I've got it slightly wrong. It's like, mm, how do they think the baby's head comes out of you? Uh, uh, right. I mean, uh, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I actually had a really fun time at university fantastic. because of that. That's fantastic. That is it's crazy, right? Fantastic. I had a really idiotic racist registrar who basically said to me he was like oh yeah black people have a very distinctive odor don't they oh what? gosh no we don't oh god yeah and I was just like this is probably after a long day at work maybe I just put a bit of BO but I was like that's not because I'm black that's because I've worked I just stink. <laughs> I, mean, I just simply smell I, I just went 12 hour shift and my dear is like on its last leg. I can't. But yeah, I was, like, can't. Um, uh, yeah I, honestly, white people don't, they don't surprise <laughs> me. They don't surprise <laughs> me, but at the same time, they're a, they're a, they're a surprising group of people. They like, constant, they constantly, it's constantly surprising. <laughs> it's just like, I, I shouldn't be surprised. I shouldn't be surprised yeah. because you guys have been like the same for a while. But then, Whenever they do, I'm like, wow, you guys are crazy. Like, I don't understand. Like, I shouldn't be surprised because I know this is how you guys are, but I'm still surprised. Like, it's insane. <laughs> I wonder how it's for you from the perspective of, like, I guess because you are, like, half white. Do you, mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably not hear things, but you, like, get to be on the in, not in the inside, but maybe when people don't know yeah. that you're half Asian, hear stuff mm-hmm. and just be like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, and I t- the best example I can think of was such a reflection of, of white people, right? I, I used to work in um, in Waterstones. I used to work in a bookshop. And I remember the only parents that I remember coming in to look at the books for the um, SATs and the Key Stage 2, you know, the practice tests? Yes, because um, I had to do them. Yeah, I had yeah. to do them too. I had to Same. do them... Um, and the only pair, like, never saw white parents come in to buy them. I would, I would, I would bet my life on that. Never saw in my time there in two years. I never saw a white person coming in to buy those practice tests. Really, they were always black or Asian. Always, always, 
who bought those tests That's and so I remember it, it's 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 crazy and it didn't occur to me really until one day I was behind the till with one of my colleagues who a, a, like a, an Indian couple came to the counter strong accents and not particularly good English and they were asking for these books and she got so frustrated with them she knew she knew what they were asking for because the woman had brought an example like a practice paper mm-hmm. and was sort of like you know the way like if you can't read something on a menu you point and you're like can I have this and you sort of give it an attempt that you yeah. know you're doing your best so she brought this out obviously her like and her kids had run off to look at other books she wanted just to know where they were and she was so frustrated and she just kind of pointed to where they were in the corner and this woman was like oh thank you thank you and she was like oh my god like so annoying like I had no idea what she was saying and I was like oh didn't you like you knew what she was asking you for and it was so it's so funny when people that they, I guarantee you that if I if I had brown skin she wouldn't have thought of me yeah. as some kind of ally in that bigotry yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if I scream <laughs> I did I did say I was like I thought she did really well <laughs> I thought she did well so she obviously doesn't speak English I said she just she's just looking for the key stage um two books and she was like yeah I know but it's really irritating I made a why? point why yeah. is it irritating why is it irritating you? exactly let's address that because it's an inconvenience it's an inconvenience for you to try and understand somebody who has to constantly try to be understood do you know what I mean Really, because <laughs> when I have heard variations of my last name, mm-hmm. I have heard white people add all kinds of vowels and consonants to my name. Like, you guys know my last name. I'm not saying on the podcast, but it <laughs> is literally said how it is spelt. And yet, I have heard so many variations of my last name. It makes me annoyed. When people call me up and they get it wrong, I just simply tell them, sorry, that person doesn't live here. And I hang up. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't have the time, but I do. And Nezi, I'm sure like if we were on Tales of the Plantation, all of these would count as plantation tales. (laughs) But I will never forget when... Oh gosh, this was 2018 when a man called me and, you know, I can't remember what it was for. I don't know if it was insurance or whatever, but I heard him. He was like, hi, is Miss? I heard him pause. I could actually, in my mind's eye, I could see him look at my name because, you know, I'm familiar with the pause that comes with my name. As in, like, you know, the, the attempt, Miss, Moo, and so on and so forth. So I heard him pause. And then he just, and he goes, is Miss Morgan there? Guys? What? Sorry. Yeah. So Morgan? I'm confused. Morgan? No, no. So, especially you, Nezzy. You know my last name, right? No. Y'all don't know my last name? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I do. You know my last name? Oh, yeah, of course I do, yeah. Huh? What? Hold on. How yeah. do you so, get that? Yeah, no, that's the thing. I heard him because, like I said, the pause is regular. I heard him do the pause and then goes, is Miss Morgan there? And I was... Like it was an... Oh, my God. I crawled into myself and I screamed. Because I was like, did this man get so upset with my last name that he just renamed me and gave me an English name? 
Uh, so I, I said to him, I said to him, I was like, do you by any chance, by any chance mean miss? And I said my last name and he was like, yeah. And then proceeded to carry on. I was like, no. I can't believe that. And I said, say it again. Say <laughs> my name correctly. I can't believe that. Guys. I mean, I do believe it. <laughs> I do believe it. I would, like, I would just like to make mention that there is no O, there is no R in my name. <laughs> like, it's just so the spelling weird. of my name is so far off from Morgan. <laughs> Morgan, jeez, oh, Morgan. And, and in terms of African-sounding names, my name is so simple. It is literally exactly how it is spelt. You say it. It's so simple. Oh, it is. That's the thing. It's not hard. Like knowing your name is not a hard name. It's so phonetic. But you know, I I was now officially um, Miss Natasha Morgan. Hey, Miss Morgan. <laughs> hey, Miss Morgan. I now, I, dis- <laughs> I now despise that name. <laughs> I don't blame you. I do not blame you. Oh my gosh, that is just. People are just, like white people, honestly. I can't. White people can't be white people anymore. Uh, but yeah, you apparently smell like spicy milk. Spicy I'm, milk. I'm, Who knew? I'm a chai latte. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not over that. I'm just not. I just can't believe I get sniff. But then also, it's just like you let. I'm not, I'm not saying to blame you, but I've been in those situations where it's like, no. why, did let, why did I let them? Like. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. And you like, know what? Like, I, what? Like, I'm like, why do like, people have, like, tried to, like, inspect my head? And I'm just like, basically, especially when I was younger, and I'm like, why did I let them do that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, it never occurred to me that that went, like, it's only in time when I've told people, because I was like, for me, the funny part of it was that they backtracked and I'm like, oh, no, you do smell. And then I was, then when I've told people that story, they're like, sorry, they smell you. What are you talking about? But yeah, 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 that's how they, that's how they made up their lie. Like, what do you mean? In the group chat, I was ready to fight these people. Like, just send me their addresses and I will start swinging. <laughs> honestly it wasn't and I tell you why as well and and I think again it speaks to the um the privilege I guess uh, which is not even I guess the privilege of having of being light-skinned and passing for white is that that kind of thing it didn't occur to me that that was wrong because it routinely doesn't happen to me I don't have people touching my hair I've got Mm -hmm. like you know my hair is straight I don't have any, there's nothing about me that people think of as I want to, I want to see what this feels like because it's not the same as me. I don't, I don't have that. That's never happened to me. So for them to come up and sniff me, I was like, oh, that's a bit of a joke. But then in the context of it, which again, didn't occur to me, was they're trying to prove their point. Yeah. Which was you know, like, they were trying to prove their point that, oh, okay, because originally so you, you didn't smell. Exactly. Originally I was just nice and milky, but now apparently... There's some spices thrown in now that they know. It's just just, it's just <laughs> No, for me, the hair thing, I just, I tell you, there's been times where I'm also at work, I'm tired and I'm quiet because I like to give the facade at work that I don't talk to people. It just mm-hmm. really actually means I don't want to talk to you. Um, so people <laughs> at work genuinely believe I'm quiet. And when I'm just... When I'm just trying to get through the day and a client's parent touches my hair, 
I'm like, your hand's already in there. It's already happening. Like, I can't start screaming. I can't start popping off. I'm already agency. Oh, no. I'm just... But if you lose just, your temper, you're an angry black girl and you're just a stereotype. And I will not be allowed back. So I'm just there like, yeah. okay, this is happening. Oh and other God. times I have popped off. But since we're, since we're sharing odd stories, I remember when I was working at a call centre, this was like at one of the low points of life. <laughs> and I was working in this call centre that was not legitimate at all. Like, no, guys. It was not legitimate <laughs> at all. It was shady, very shady shenanigans happening there. Okay. But I prospered. I got to team leader. Anyway, but the point is, um, oh, and there was no HR. I have to put that forward. There was no H. There was oh, no what? HR. Oh, no. So, um, uh, guys who were like higher up in the call centre were definitely getting it on with a good chunk of the girls there. And I'm guessing one of them had jungle fever because he was already messing around with like one of the mixed race girls there. Um, she was mixed race, but she had like skin tone like Obama. Mm-hmm. So only by maybe her hair and even still some of it was in extensions, you'll be, be able to tell, okay, she's mixed. She's not just an ordinary brown girl. And I remember like, I am obsessed with like Diana Ross big hair. So at the time I had like Afro kink, I had crochet Afro kinky hair in, but it wasn't in twist. It was just out. And I really liked doing it like that. Mm. And I guess he took a liking for me because he always not just wanted to touch my hair, but he wanted to touch me. Ew. So I remember walking through the corridor and I was by myself and he backed me up into the wall and he was like oh. in my face telling me that, I am going to touch your hair. Because I had always been telling him, no, you can't touch my hair. Just leave me alone. I'm just here to do work. No, he backed me up into the wall and he was like, yeah, I am going to touch you. I'm going to touch your hair. Oh, my goodness. That's assault. That's assault. I, right? That's assault. That's, that's. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I, I know. The thing. I just, I just need to understand. Some of the things that you guys do is assault. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's all it 100%. is. 100%. Like, Touching people without their permission is assault. That's it. Doesn't matter why you do it. Doesn't matter that you think someone's hair is fascinating. Touching people without their permission is assault. The end. Yeah. Can you can you imagine if I decided I was just randomly going to touch Becky's hair after she had just had her hair layered and feathered? Yeah. And and back her up into a corner to tell her that you were gonna do it. It's insane. It's insane behaviour. I can't. Oh my god. So Yeah. But yeah. Uh. But you know what, guys? It's been really nice having you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been very, very fun to be on. This is you know, I think yeah, I'm going to edit out cool. the last... No, I'm, I'm not going to edit out, but I'm going to have that as maybe like an additional half an hour just like on the side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Because nice. that was fun. But guys, I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for being Thank on you. and sharing your stories. You. It's been amazing. It has. All right. So, have an you guys have an amazing night. Stay safe during this lockdown. And to the listeners, you know, you be safe, be good, and don't let ever don't let anyone ever sniff you. <laughs> That's a take message. That's why I'm going to take away from this experience. Not to let anyone. Yeah. Sniff yes. You. <laughs> 
Rihanna's brilliant and don't let anyone sniff you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.